A very good afternoon to you today on this Saturday afternoon. I'm Chanel Daniel, standing in for Taresh Hari Prashad this weekend on Newsbreak Talk. And I have here with me today producer Rachel Vardy, so you can expect only the best on Newsbreak Talk today as we get down to business. Well, with August being Women's Month, let me first wish all women out there a very happy Women's Month. And we here at Newsbreak Talk hope it's a good one for you. Speaking of Women's Month, we thought why not start off the month focusing on women and all that comes with being one. With us here today live in studio is Dr. Sharona Rawat. Now she is a clinical psychologist and she's here today to talk to us about women and in particular women on women abuse. We'll catch up with her in a bit, but for now you may be wondering what is women on women abuse? We often hear of men abusing women and children, but what about women abusing each other. Stay tuned to Newsbreak Talk as we give you a better insight into this. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation. Simply WhatsApp us your comments on 071-613-7803. That number again is 071-613-7803. Or you can call us on 089-310-8789. That's 089-310-8789. Give your views a voice. So talking about women-on-women abuse, I mentioned earlier on that we do have clinical psychologist Dr. Sharona Rawat is joining us here in studio live. A very good afternoon to you, Dr. Rawat. Good afternoon to you guys as well. It's nice to be here. Well, we're so glad to have you here today with us, Doctor. And um, we just want to talk to you about women on women abuse. Now, Doctor, you're obviously very well studied and knowledgeable when it comes to human behavioral patterns. So we'd like to get your intellect on women on women abuse. Firstly, can you tell us what is women on women abuse? Well, um, basically what I get from that is you're looking at women and how they interact with other women. And mainly with abuse, we're looking at power dynamics. You're looking at the power dynamics between uh, different women, basically. And the negative impacts of that, should there be any dysfunctional um, dynamics. Okay, so doctor, you're talking about, you know, different dynamics. And you're explaining to us what women on women abuse is. But what are some of the psychological aspects that lead to this type of behavior? I think that, you know... Um, all of us go through some kind of trauma or the other going through life. I think it's a normal part of life to suffer some kind of negative consequences. How those consequences are managed are very important because if you manage a negative consequence in a proper manner and you process it properly, you are able to resolve it. Should issues not be resolved, they can kind of result in dysfunctional behaviors and those dysfunctional behaviors can often be negative, negative to the self, but then also negative towards others as well. Well, we do apologize. There was some technical difficulty there. And we do know that uh, Dr. Serona Rawat is with us. She's talking about the different behavioral patterns when it comes to women on women abuse. And uh, we've discussed this. And, you know, coming to my head, actually, Doctor, is that we as women, we want to communicate with our man. We're trying to get him to listen, trying to make him understand. Why then don't we communicate better with women? 
Again, I think, you know, with communication, it's it's a, a not a very simple kind of dynamic. It's complicated. Um, it depends on our personalities. It depends on, you know, our upbringing, the communication between family members, you know, what we're used to, what we're familiar with. Um, if somebody has grown up in an abusive environment, often they become very anxious and uh, it becomes difficult to communicate because in, a, in an abusive environment or a dysfunctional environment, there's consequences of just being normal. <laughs> so if there's something funny on TV, for example, and a child laughs, that's normal to laugh. But in an abusive situation, a parent might say, just stop it. Don't don't make a noise. Keep quiet, that kind of thing. So they, they learn to distrust their uh, um, kind of, what would you say, their natural perception of things. So they distrust their perceptions. And uh, that brings in a lot of anxiety as well. And that affects the communication. Because when we communicate, we communicate with words, but we communicate with body language as well. And we read other people. So um, when you grow up in an abusive environment, you start questioning your ability to read other people because you think it's safe and then it's not. So you learn then to be overly cautious in general, and that affects the flow of communication. Doctor, you're speaking about reading people and perceptions. And, you know, quite often I've actually come across women who have said to me, you know, Chanel, when I first met you, I didn't like you. But then later on, I got to know you and you've become one of my best friends. As a woman, or rather as women, are we too quick to judge each other and maybe have preconceived ideas? Absolutely. I think as human beings, that generally happens. Um, as women, because of the dynamic that we grow up with, we grew up in male-dominated societies. So there's, again, a power dynamic there. So that brings in a bit of insecurities um, and, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of like kind of negative kind of perceptions and that kind of thing. So obviously that makes us a little bit more vigilant, a little bit more cautious. And obviously then we tend to maybe overanalyze things a little bit more plus women are, are a bit more emotional than men uh, in general so it's not to offend anybody so it's just <laughs> it generally out there this is like kind of scientifically proven like the emotions and that kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, so we've got different ways of coping with things and men much more logical and rational kind of stuff so all those things also impact um, so when we're looking at other people if we're anxious for example or we're hyper vigilant you know um we are not actually reading their perception. We're not getting a proper reading of them. Let's put it that way. Our perceptions are skewed because of our own feelings and the state of mind that we are in. So it can make us a bit more cautious. And, you know, I always say like, you know, like a lot of times to my patients, like, you know, about perceptions and things like that. Like, you know, if you're walking down the street and somebody looks at you and they give you just this mean, nasty look, you know, and you think, oh, my gosh, look at that, you know. Who do they think they are? And it might bother you the all day. You may go to work and tell a few colleagues, you know, I was just walking down the street and this person just gave me just this mean look. You know, what, what's wrong with them? You know, I don't understand. They think they're better than me, whatever, whatever. You know, you go home, you tell everybody as well. But if we had to maybe have a, a, like a, a recording of that, we had to reverse it a little bit. We might see that person maybe stumped their toe on, on a pole just before <laughs> they saw you. <laughs> so you can see how we attribute things to what we sing. And when we attribute things, then we're making judgments. And if that attribution is positive, then we got a bit of a positive spin. If the attribute is, uh, the attribution is a bit negative, then we might become more cautious and, as you said, maybe not like a person on uh, first meeting them. Doctor, speaking about a positive spin, when you meet someone, your first perception of them may have not been the best. How then do we turn it around or better uh, understand people? 
I think it's important to kind of aim at understanding people rather than, you know, kind of physically aiming at turning around our perceptions. I'm a strong believer in trusting your intuition. Um, and we are not going to like everybody. You know, not everybody is our cup of tea, as they say. Um, and there's going to be clashes in personality. There's going to be clashes in on other levels as well. And that's normal. That's normal behavior. That's normal human interaction. Um, so I think that's the first step is to look at that, that we need to understand individuals. That being said, once we do understand somebody, where they're coming from, then we need to maybe relook at whether our first impression was flawed. And if it was flawed, why was it flawed? Um, so I think that is an important way of looking at it. So we're starting off with the grounding of understanding the person first and, and their motivations and that kind of thing. And then looking back at, you know, whether you need to reassess your initial perception of the person. Um, and in that way, you're also looking at yourself a little bit. So you've got to know yourself quite well. And I always say this, you know, all through the shows and things that whatever we're talking about, you need to know yourself well enough first. Because if you don't know yourself well enough and you don't know your weaknesses, you're going to attribute it and project it onto other people. And that's when you have mistakes in judgment and perception of other people's yes. motives and that kind of thing. Yes, definitely. Now, we'll definitely be taking this discussion further. But remember, you can give your views a voice. We'll take your calls shortly. And you can call us on 089-310-8789 or WhatsApp us on 071-613-7803. Well, keeping with this topic, Dr. Ntabi Seng Moleko, the development economist at the University of Stellenbosch Business School, and she's also the contributor to the 2019 South African Board for People's Practices Women's Report, has said and that not much focus is placed on women on women abuse. However, she says the struggles between women have a lot to do with power. Any oppression can occur in terms of where there is a party that deems uh, itself um, necessary to dominate over another or to inflict violence on another or to inflict any kind of um, abuse on another person or a party. So I think that, uh, rightfully speaking, it is possible that women themselves can inflict violence on other women and children. Even women can inflict violence on men or women can inflict violence on other women or oppressive nature or tendencies and enforce domination, silencing them physically or emotionally or otherwise. And I think that when people talk about this in the spaces and corporate space, it's more about, I think, the expectation there is on women to economically empower and open doors, so to speak, uh, for other women. And when this does not necessarily occur, this is likely what is known as the PhD syndrome or the pull her down syndrome where women are not supportive or open to other women arising or being empowered within the same space. Doc, can you share with us some statistics on cases where women have been harmed or abused by other women? Okay, so there's very little research on such because of the prevalence. And as, as I've stated, the prevalence in the research is mainly <clears throat> focused on where the problem is. So if you were to do a sample of uh, such cases, it's not even a, a, min it's a minuscule proportion of the whole. So uh, when studies are actually done, uh, the research primarily focuses on where the real problem is, which is male 
violence generally on women or children or the pervasive nature of it or the dominance of it or in that space. So the data or research that has been done, um, you look at the Center of Violence and Reconciliation Studies, you look at SAFSA, you look at uh, South African Police um, data that is released. Again, uh, the studies point to the problem being male-on-woman violence, male-on-children violence, male-on-grandmother violence, and uh, sometimes corrective rapes uh, that occur. And I think that those are the type of indices that we are seeing and the type of trends that we are seeing particularly uh, prevalent in this country. We're not seeing uh, a problem in terms of data and release of studies that are showing and pointing us to this trend that you are uh, alluding to. Doctor, I just want to go back a little. You were saying that um, there isn't much focus on women on women abuse, rather male and female abuse takes the focus. Why is women on women abuse not given an equal focus? We are faced with a national crisis, and the crisis is really um, about the patriarchal norms and the societal norms of that are deeply systemic in our society of gender-based violence of men predominantly either physically violating a woman, men raping women, and uh, the large proportion of the incidences of sexual harassment against women is men again against women. So the real problem um, that is facing the country right now is uh, gender-based violence that is systemic in nature. Societal norms have entrenched this and it's generally male violence against women. That was Dr. Ntabi Singh Moleko, development economist at the University of Stellenbosch Business School and contributed to the 2019 South African Board for People's Practices Women's Report themed Women and Politics. Now, back to um, our conversation with Dr. Rawat. You know, um, what has been made evident by Dr. Moleko is that in society, we often see many men ridiculing women or abusing women. But now we are talking about women doing it to each other. How detrimental is it for women to do this to another woman? Catastrophically. Catastrophically detrimental. Because it's almost as if it's, you know, in-house abuse. Um, And I think we all are a little bit embarrassed about it at some level as well. And I mean, I just heard in the little clip that you had also that, you know, there's not much stats done. It's not much talking about this and I think that's one of the reasons is because of that being a bit embarrassed about the fact that this does happen happens on a regular basis and you see it in a day-to-day basis for me even you know within the practice in relation to the work environment and things like that where other women are sabotaged or just kind of demeaned uh, belittled by female uh, bosses and and management and that kind of thing um, where opportunities are curtailed um, where things like um, having kids, you know, and going on maternity leave is literally held against the person. Um, and I mean, to the point of like progress reports show uh, drop in production kind of a thing, uh, you know, just because of not being able to work uh, extra hours and that kind of thing, which is actually, you know, catastrophic to the individual because you are actually being almost... Um, discriminated against on a level that is kind of just below the surface, I would say. And that's why it's not that that visible to other individuals. So I think it is something that's important. It's something that needs to be uh, managed. It is abuse because as we heard earlier and as we spoke about earlier, it's a power dynamic. A power dynamic and inequalities in a power dynamic can um, exist in any relationship. 
So often with individuals who now have had an issue with the power dynamic and haven't processed it or worked it out and is behaving in a dysfunctional manner, they're going to actually just pass it forward, really speaking. And so that's what happens and where it then gets done to others by the same individual that might have in the past experienced a similar dynamic. Doctor, how then does someone who has in fact been through something like this and is now inflicting the same sort of pain on someone else, how does or rather, how do people then deal with these psychological issues? I think that, you know, if it's you that's doing it, it's easier in actual fact, because if you are doing it and you realize that you are doing this, then you need to get help for it. Because obviously there is something within yourself that needs to be resolved and processed. Because often the abuse is uh, unnecessary. I mean, that being said, abuse is unnecessary. But Mm. (laughs) over and above that, there's no like kind of reason for it. It's not even like somebody is underperforming badly or that they need to be uh, given a warning or something. This is deliberately overreacting to situations. So it is very damaging in that light. And so if it's you that's doing this, then you need to kind of get help and manage what's going on within yourself. And should there have been traumas before or this dynamic, which often happens with women who are in higher up positions where they themselves were exposed to it earlier on. Um, Manage that situation as well. If it's happening to you, I think it's a bit more complicated because there is the power dynamic. And this is now somebody who is in authority over you, especially in the work environment. And it's very difficult to manage. And I would say in that light you need to manage it as per the procedures and protocols within your institution or your company because usually there would be protocols and procedures to manage like you know complaints and um, you know whatever unfair warnings and that kind of thing It, it does get a little ugly That's the unfortunate thing. And often enough, because this is something that's kind of just under the surface, under the radar a little bit, um, is not very well understood. So people then step back and they think, I don't know which way to go with this. And then it becomes a one person against the other kind of a thing, you know. So, yes, it can get a little ugly. So you need yourself some kind of help and assistance in managing that as well. But uh, there's no easy way to set it straight. Okay, Doctor, thank you for that. And um, just looking at our WhatsApp line, we have a message from Rajan Rajkumar in Cape Town. He says, hi, team, we have grown up in a society where we are too quick to stereotype people. This can only be rectified through education, have an open mind, respect others. Human perception is natural, but we must be positive and learn to see the good and positive in others. Now, Doctor, you know, picking up from um, the message from Rajan Rajkumar and Thank you for that message, Rajan. Um, How has society created perceptions on other women and impressed those thoughts on us? And, um, you know, what are some of the reasons that society actually does do this to people? Um, That's like a thesis question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, all I can say is it goes way back. cultural and community dynamics, society, social norms. This is inculcated in us as you're growing up through the culture. So so as you're growing up as a little girl in, in your home, you'd often find, especially in our communities, that the boys have a little bit of uh, kind of like special treatment and the girls have a little bit more stringent kind of uh, uh, strict, um, stricter uh, kind of a setup. And uh, it starts up like from then onwards because the girls didn't realize that they're being treated differently, that there are different rules that apply to them and so do the boys. So the roles are kind of inculcated early on in life, right from the beginning and we don't only see it, we see it on multiple levels, we don't only see it, we're being told no, this is not what you do, little girls don't do this, um, 
This is how you're supposed to dress. Mm. This is what you're supposed to do. But we also see it in the people around us. Granny, mom, sister, aunt, um, all of them are actually abiding by these rules. Very seldom do you find a rebellious female within our close uh, kind of family setup. So mm. you would find, and rebellious, I mean in inverted commas, you know, according to the social norms and yes. things. Um, you would find that, that all these kind of role models are kind of affirming what is being said. So it's inculcated into us on many levels. And even when you then go out into the community, you go into the work environment, you go into the academic environment, you often find that those rules and those roles are kind of thrust upon you, even in subtle ways. So where you see people kind of like judging or just looking displeased or, you know, kind of um, unhappy with how you're managing something or the other, all those norms are coming up in that. So it's on many levels that it's inculcated into us. And we ourselves should we not even believe in some of those we often you'd find would feel guilty or ashamed should we not be following uh, those particular uh, social norms and things so it's so deeply within us that we ourselves police ourselves and we sit down with and say no but this is not right but I'm feeling ashamed about it and I feel like you should apologize but I'm not sure because I was standing up for myself so we sit with that confusion and not sure which way to go with it and again that's why it's so important when we come to difficult kind of crossroads like this should we have difficulty to get some kind of help in processing it because the more the less dissonance we have in our minds the more um, settled we are with who we are and what we want and what we believe in, the easier it is to manage our lives and to move forward. Because then you find that you have less mistakes, you know, because your decisions are based on actual factual things that actually mean something to you. Um, and you find that your life is a lot smoother. Um, and you find that your quality of life is better and you feel a lot happier. So you may have difficult situations where you might have to kind of, or you feel like you've got to cut somebody out, or you've got to, you know, distance yourself. And that's always painful. But you find in other avenues, you start to grow and thrive. And that's what's important. Doctor, you did mention, you know, families and the impact that they have on them. And, you know, let's look at younger girls and young women. Um, for example, we have seen a lot of girl-on-girl -girl fights at schools. Um, often, uh, more often than not, it's because of a boy that's involved in the situation. Um, do you think that this type of behavior stems from um, family perceptions? I think that a lot of times we're looking at in general in the schools, bullying, uh, you know, kind of becoming a huge thing in this country. I mean, it's become totally, completely like it feels like out of hand um, because it's so violent and so aggressive and so damaging. And then we're looking at the girls' situation in, in, in female or in uh, like um, all girls' schools and things. We're finding that there's a lot of violence and there's a lot of sexual innuendos also that's going on. So a lot of, uh, uh, I would say, again, dissonance under the surface. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I think that, you know, society is in a little bit of in, in transition at the moment. And whenever a society is in transition and they're developing and they're changing, you get a lot of this kind of dissonance and things. That being said, I don't think our society is prepared enough. So there aren't any um, kind of supportive structures out there to manage this, to help the girls that are going through these kinds of situations deal with it and learn how to better manage it. I wouldn't say there's a perfect way of managing anything. There's always just a better way and a more adaptive way because we've got to 
look at who the individual is and who the person is. A person who is an extrovert and um, kind of like very secure and sure of themselves will handle the situation different from somebody who's more introverted and a bit insecure, went through some kind of abusive uh, relationship or that kind of thing. So they'll handle it differently. So you've got to look at what's the solution for that individual unique person. Um, that being said, again, we're looking at the power dynamic. And I think that um, when there's an imbalance in the power, um, and we're looking at male-female dynamics, a lot of times women feel very disempowered, mm. and they feel like they're competing for men. And I think that maybe it's a perception brought on also by movies and things like that. Because, um, you know, I think on a very shallow level, maybe people can compete for somebody else. But on a deep level, when you're looking at actual genuine love and care and feeling, I think it goes a lot deeper than that. And I don't think then competing for somebody actually comes into uh, the arena. So I think it's from a disempowered um, kind of ethos that that kind of a dynamic comes in where people fight over somebody. Um, and that's coming from, firstly, the dynamic between the male and female, and then again this woman-on-a-woman woman kind of uh, scenario where it's kind of thrown laterally to each other. And if you're looking at that, there's lots of attributes that get uh, that, that are attributed to women by other women, um, like being um, conniving, manipulative, um, lacking any kind of values or morals, um, being kind of loose, um, you know, wild. Uh, you can think of lots of terms that will come out that, that women attribute to other women. Um, and those are very disempowering. They not they don't build you up. They break you down. And often enough, you know, in all communities and among all people, and even animals as well, you will get possessiveness mm. and jealousy. And all these are basic traits and, and, and behaviors and emotions and things that you get across the board, right? But what we're looking at here is attributing it unfairly. And often enough, there are individuals that are unfairly labeled as such and such. And then they are kind of judged on that and then they are punished for that, in essence, within our communities. And a lot of other people then come on board and badger that same person. And I think people need to understand as well that you need to think for yourself. Step back, assess the information, and then decide which way you want to go with it. Um, because this is something that does happen within our schools. And it's quite common where you'd find that uh, someone or the other has some kind of issue with another girl, whether it's justified or not. Um, and then they get their friends and the rest of the school to gang up on that one person. And it's often just exaggerated and taken totally out of uh, context, really speaking. But it's very damaging to that other individual and most often extremely unfair. Doctor, do you then think that if a child, a girl child, grows up in a home where maybe her mother her, or her auntie has actually um, spoken ill of other women throughout the child's life or um, behaved in a certain way towards other women, also abusing other women, do you think that child then grows up thinking this behavior is acceptable? I think, you know, we do, especially when we're younger, we do kind of learn from the people around us as role models and that kind of thing. But I think personality also comes in. And I think the actual values and um, kind of uh, what you say, personality and attitude of that individual comes to play. Not everybody who grows up in a home like that and sees people around them doing that does that to other people. There are people who actually turn around and say, you know, no, that doesn't look like a good thing to do. I don't think that's a nice way to behave. I'd like to not behave in that way. 
Um, so it still boils down to a choice. Um, and more often, if the individual was actually, uh, if those negative behaviors were also done to that person, you may find that they're more likely as well to follow through on doing that to other people. Whereas if they were, if that didn't happen to them, but they've heard them speak about others and things, but hasn't personally touched them, you might find then they may have that ability then to discern what they feel is the right thing to do. So often if you're traumatized or you're damaged in some way, you're more likely to follow through with the damaged uh, behavior. Okay, so we'll definitely will be staying with this topic of women and women abuse. Remember, you can give your views a voice. Um, so give your views a voice by calling us on 089-310-8789 or WhatsApp us on 071-613-7803. And I believe we do have a caller on the line. We have Mrs. Govinda. Good afternoon, Mrs. Govinda. Good afternoon to you and to our guest and a very happy woman's month and for the rest of your life. I want to say that this is how my mom brought us up at home. She will not allow us to talk about each other, complain about our sisters to each other. Neither would she allow us to, even if that woman is leading immoral life, she says that's what God has chosen for her. Had to my mother-in-law, a daughter-in-law where a daughter, and she said one day when we get married, we will be daughters elsewhere and be treated with respect. And, you know, the most beautiful part of this whole situation, I got married into a family. My mother-in-law treated me like her friends. And today, my three daughter-in-laws, I call them my friends and not my daughter-in-laws. So we get on very well on basis. We talk on many, many things like sports, entertainment, fashion, food. And even if I have to suggest something about my son to them, they will tell me, Mom, you tell that to your son. And I'll turn around and tell them, you know what, you are married. It's much easier for you to tell uh, your husband or my son. So we will laugh over these things. So this is how my relationship is with my daughter-in-law. We are friends, and I will love them, uh, you know, very, very much for making my son's life so much easier and comfortable and taking the situation out of my hands. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Mrs. Govinda, for your uh, call. We definitely do appreciate that. I do believe we also have Vincent from Port Shepston on the line. Good afternoon, Vincent. So, thank you very much. It's a very good topic. Uh, I was listening to the conversation there, and uh, I'm not sure what the lady is saying. Uh, I, I really appreciate it because, you see, often when we think of uh, abuse, we think of uh, men abusing women and children abuse. But listening now, uh, if you really look at around us, it's quite often where you get uh, women fighting uh, against other women. And it's quite often where, you, again, boy boyfriends or maybe married person. And this is becoming a norm at the moment. And uh, I'm sure, as you mentioned, if you look at statistics, you know, if you, if you really work it out, it's quite a high rate where women are abusing women. Even at workplace, I have noticed that when uh, they are in charge or they in charge of success the company, and you can see how they're domineering, they dominate other females. So listening to your input, you really got a, got a vast knowledge on these things. Just keep it up, okay? Thank you very much for educating us. 
Okay, thank you, Vincent, for your call. Um, we definitely do appreciate that. And, you know, you can also call us um, on 089 or WhatsApp us on 0716137803. We do have a message here from Mrs. Mohammed in Durban on our WhatsApp line. She says, I think we need to teach our children from a young age to interact with people. Our girls in our homes are not prepared sufficiently to communicate efficiently with their in-laws and extended families. We also have Anonymous and she says women need to accept other women and stand by them. Don't judge anyone, have an open mind and accept people lovingly. Each one of us are unique so we can learn from each other. Tolerance, acceptance and being non-judgmental is the way to go. I personally experienced it, but I but fortunate enough to be strong to overcome it. Well, thank you there, Anonymous. And the others who have called and sent us WhatsApp messages. Um, just picking up on these uh, comments and calls, Dr. You know, Mrs. Gavinder spoke about um, her upbringing and how her mother actually taught her about how to respect other girls and her life leading on would be much better. So let's talk about this upbringing a little more. How important is it for mothers and female guardians to teach their girls to behave appropriately with other girls? I think that, you know, as we're growing up as young uh, girls, we need that guidance uh, from our um, loved ones and our and our moms and our caregivers, you know, because then that actually helps prepare us, you know, how to manage our relationships. You know, as, uh, you know, the other ladies mentioned about interacting and dealing with other people and dealing with in-laws and that kind of thing, you know, all this takes communication and it is about how we thought to communicate from an early age. So instruction and guidance, in fact, that's what parenting is all about, really to guide and to help, uh, you know, build um, our children up into better people. So that's part of being a good parent is to actually guide and inform our children on the best ways to communicate. That being said, we also need to know how to do that. So should we have problems and difficulties, again, we need to learn and develop ourselves as well so that we can manage that in a better way. Yes, Doctor. Now, just going back to the WhatsApp lines, we do see another message from Anonymous and she says, I worked with a number of schools and I admit that woman-to-woman abuse is very rife in the schools. They are supposed to be educated people. They gang up on uh, members at the school and this can be very ruthless. And then we have another message from Zakira in Johannesburg and she says, um, women who support women are incredible Women who support women do incredible things. I think as women, let's see each other's crowns. We all grow if we follow this. While you're listening to Newsbreak Talk with us here, I'm here, Chanel Daniel, together with Rachel Vardy, our producer. She's manning the call lines and the WhatsApp lines here. And we have Dr. Um, Sharona Rawat here with us. She's a clinical psychologist in Durban. And just looking at the WhatsApp lines, we see uh, Vasi David is saying, um, good chat with our children of today, respect for elders and their peers. It's so important that they must understand their own bodies with the utmost care. That's Vasi David from Johannesburg. Thank you, Vasi, for your message. Um, just going back now to the doctor. Doctor, let's um, now talk about, you know, the independent woman, the woman who's working, the working class woman. And um, we see a lot of working class women. They're making their own money. They're living their own lives. Can this be reason for other women to withdraw themselves from these women? 
Um, you know, as I said, I think you've got to look at the dynamics within the individual first. So some people may want to kind of get in while the going is good and actually get some of the limelight. So you'll get that side of it as well. You know, where a lot of people kind of coming in and wanting to be involved or wanting to make connections because that helps them also build up. Uh, and on the other hand, you'd get like people kind of distancing themselves. And I think that's usually coming from internal kind of processes, you know, their own conflicts. And there's lots of people that have issues, a lot of women that wanted to do something that they never got a chance to do. So in general, you get people out there that wanted particular careers or wanted to be have a particular profession and they didn't get to do it. But oftentimes with women, you get that they actually wanted to have some kind of career and don't have any. So, you know, with, with men, you'd find that they've got jobs and they've got to provide for their families. They have to get out there and do whatever they need to do. Um, so not all of them are doing what they wanted to do or be who they wanted want to be, like, you know, whatever profession and things. But with women, it's just a bit deeper in that a lot of them just aren't doing anything. They don't actually have a warp or, uh, sorry, a, um, a job or a career. Um, and they feel very, very, I would say, um, maybe inferior, you know, kind of left out, um, excluded, very unhappy with themselves. And often that then translates into judgments of other people who are actually successful and doing quite a bit um, for themselves. So often I find it's internal processes would, would be at work in relation to that. Usually you wouldn't get such negative kind of uh, um, a reaction from somebody unless it's an internal process that's actually feeding it. Um yeah, so I would say that kind of dynamic does exist. So, doctor, just for example, you have a patient coming to you and they say to you, you know, doctor, um, I'm a housewife. I work at home. I have all these things that I do, but maybe I have a sister-in-law and she is, maybe she's a pilot or, or something like that. Now, um, how can people or other women be happy and content with where they are and the way their life has, has uh, panned out and not look at the next woman and, and make that comparison? I like the way you went for pilot. Which was quite <laughs> groundbreaking job at this time. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, so I think that... Um, you know, the, the, that, that feeling jealousy is an emotion. It is out there. We don't like to say it. We don't like to talk about it. And if you mention it to anyone, it comes down as an accusation or like an insult, you know. But it is an emotion. And um, I think, again, we've got to look within ourselves to see, okay, you know, how do we feel about this? Um, I, like, for example, I, I wanted at one stage when I was a teenager to learn how to fly a helicopter. But I never wanted to be a pilot. <laughs> <laughs> So for me, if I have to look at a pilot, it wouldn't bother me that much. Um, I worry a little bit, you know, um, with the emotions aspect. I'm just joking. <laughs> um, yeah, but, uh, you know, basically it depends on where your kind of goals lie. So often if you feel that there's something that you could have done that you want to do and deep down feel... Um, kind of victimized almost, and I'm saying victimized because of the power dynamic. Often when women haven't done or anybody has, hasn't done anything that they feel that they are guided to, but women in particular, because of this dynamic and because of our marital relationships and the power dynamics out there in society and things, we're often discouraged from doing something that society feels is too far off it's too far out of the line. For example, like pilot, um, which is like a very male kind of, um, um, very, very kind of difficult um, 
I think like kind of uh, not many opportunities out there. But should you become a pilot, it's hectically stressful because of the flying and being in different cities and, and countries and that kind of thing. So we're looking at lots of dynamics that come up. So if you're going to have a family, for example, and you're going to have children, it impacts quite a bit on that. So often when we find with communities and societies, that when we're looking at jobs with women, and that's within the families as well, they look at the family dynamic. So if a girl has to come and say, I want to be a pilot, firstly, people think, well, very rebellious. You know, this is really just kicking all the norms to the curb kind mm. of thing. And then people look at the future. What do you want to do? You know, if you're going to get married, how are you going to manage your family? That kind of thing comes in um, a lot of times. And so women then feel like they are disempowered, that they don't have the freedom of choice to do what needs to be done. And they also kind of judged in essence that they will not be able to cope with it or manage with the demands of that particular job. So there's multiple levels of disempowerment there. You see, it's not just uh, you can't go out and do what you want to, which is very disheartening. It's also that you won't be able to manage with that. And life has certain uh, requirements of you and you won't be able to cope with that. So it's a lot of negativity that comes uh, one's way. So you find often a lot of women are not doing what they want to do. And the only reason for them not doing that is because of social dynamics and things. Often you find if somebody comes into treatment and I mean, Looking at, at, from my perspective, from my practice, we're looking at a lot of uh, like kind of pathology and psychiatric conditions. So I'm talking about aside from that, I'm talking about somebody who is not, uh, is, if they have a diagnosis, it's managed, you know, mm-hmm. or there is no diagnosis. We're looking at the average individual, you know, and basically you've got to step back and look at, okay, there's not really much that's stopping me from doing what I want to do. You know, for example, very few people actually will go the lateral way for something that's very, very much on the sides. So lots of people are going for the general stuff, you know, just like a good job in a company, um, something that I can progress with. You know what I mean? That kind of a thing. And that kind of is within the grasp of most people, whether you're doing it part time from home or actually in a company um, is irrespective. The thing is that your aim should be to get to do what you need to do within the scope of your life. And that's what brings quality into your life. And literally, there's not much that's stopping people from doing that. So if somebody is a housewife at home and she says that I would, I always wanted to be a businesswoman, there's actually nothing stopping you from being a businesswoman from where you're sitting at the moment. So people have to look at that and they have to change their perceptions of what it means to be what they, what it means to do what they want to do. Um, Because a lot of times when people say, I want to do this, they look at it in a certain context. Right. So I want to be a businesswoman. I want to be like in some kind of massive company or a group, uh, a chain uh, kind of like store, or, you know, and that kind of mm. thing. We got to sometimes change our context and look at really what is it that we want to do and what is it that we want to be? Because if you want to be a businesswoman, you can do it right from home and you can still fulfill your dream, but in a different way. Doctor, you know, being independent um, and You know, does that have the potential to isolate women from other women, maybe because one thinks I'm better than the other or she's better than me? Um, Does independence have the potential to isolate us? Absolutely. Um, I think independence is very isolating in and of itself. Um, I think that as you become more independent and, and as you succeed at being independent, you're managing you know, you're coping, things are going. I think that there is a perception out there that you don't need any help, that you don't need any support, um, that uh, th- that you can manage on your own. And I think that's completely incorrect because I think independent people also need other people. 
Right? So we're not looking at becoming dependent. We're looking at becoming interdependent. So we're independent people, but we need each other. Human beings are social beings. You do need support. You do need encouragement. So just because somebody is independent and successful and they look like they're a strong uh, woman and, you know, they got everything together does not mean that they don't need support. And neither does it mean that they have so much of resources that you can continue trying to cut them down and they're still going to float. You know, so even a strong individual can still take it and can still fall down. They can still feel hurt and feel upset by something, even uh, even a, a little thing that somebody might say out there that is kind of unjust and unfair. So I think we've got to look just overall at being good human beings. And we've got to understand that everybody needs some support and love and care at some point or the other. And that if we want to be independent, I think it does come with a bit of a price and it can be a bit isolating. Um, I think it brings more attention to you and it can bring some pathology your way as well, as I said, you know, with other people feeling insecure and that kind of thing. Um, but all in all, uh, I think that if women stick together, they help each other and help each other in ways that they need help. You know, often you find, and I also like to always point this out, that, you know, there are people out there that can say, you know, I'd like to help you. What is it? What can I do? You know, um, let's say, for example, um, can I take you out for coffee? And you are thinking, you know, actually my car broke down. I need a lift, you know, to an appointment I've got to go to. You say, you know, but let's just go out for coffee, you know. I say, okay, but I've got an appointment, you know, to go to. I said, no, okay, I'll take you for coffee. Then you can go for your appointment. And you're thinking, okay, but now this person acts as if they're helping me. But they're helping me on their terms. They want to go out. They want Mm. to give a coffee as a gift in essence. But I'm actually needing a ride. So I think what we need to look at is when we want to help somebody, what is it that they need? Not what is it that we want to give. Because often we want to give what comes from us, what we feel that person needs. And that in itself often can be a judgment. So we need to ask when we're looking to help somebody, what is it that you need? And help an individual with something that is actually valuable to them. Because that's the help that they need at that time. Definitely, Doctor. Those were some really good points, um, especially about, you know, helping helping one another. And we see a message here on our WhatsApp line from um, Renee Pelain, Arena Park. She says, good afternoon, Chanel, and to your guest, Dr. Rawit. Why is it that women are only recognized only in the month of August? Women have come such a long way from back in the day as being a stay-at-home mom. They have become career women and chosen careers in a male-dominated field. Um, women are mothers, daughters, sisters, and wives. We can multitask. We are strong, smart, and crafty. We give life, love, respect, and gratitude. She should. Um, she has beauty, hope, power, and deserves nothing less. That message there from Renee Pillay in Arena Park. And, um, you know, you can also WhatsApp us. Send us your messages on 071-613-7803. And we'll also be taking your calls on 89 310 Well, now let's look into the physical aspects of being a woman. You know, this is, I think we could talk actually for an entire hour about this. Um, doctor, looking at the physical aspects um, and women on women abuse, um, 
We all have our insecurities. While one woman might dislike her arms, another might dislike her legs, and so on. So from this, we can tell that physical appearance does mean a lot to women. And let's face it, we hate it when someone else picks on our soft spots. Why then do we retaliate and do the same to another woman? And does this suggest any hidden emotions about us or themselves and uh, issues that are not being dealt with? I think definitely it reflects on issues that are not being dealt with. Um, I think that, uh, you know, with the socializing uh, process that we mentioned earlier on from the time very little. And, I mean, you'll see it in some songs as well. I mean, even with, like, I think Beyonce has that song, what's it, uh, what is it called? There's something about Scar to be beautiful, uh, something about perfect, something about that, about... Uh, you know, that you're supposed to be just pretty. There's a mother told her that, you know, you're supposed to be pretty. Pretty hurts, I think. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you look at all, all those kinds of things as well, you can see that, you know, it, we, we are programmed in that way. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot to that in actual fact because, I mean, physiologically, as human beings, we are a little bit programmed towards that as well. I mean, research has shown, like, you know, with individuals looking at uh, faces and, you know, they attracted babies, for example, attracted to prettier faces. Um, and prettier faces are more symmetrical faces um, in general, that is. And um, so even like from a, like a physiological perspective, there is that attraction towards. It's more, I think, an attraction towards symmetry. Right. But mm. it just shows up as being pretty. We, we look at something being pretty if it's symmetrical often, um, even if it's like kind of asymmetrical. But if it's got some kind of like um, dynamic to it that pulls it together, it's pretty, you know, that kind of thing. Yes. So but basically, I think it's linked to that. And uh, but it's, it's ingrained in us as human beings. So and there's lots of research that shows that. So. I mean, over and above the fact that society actually program, programs us in that way, there's a physiological link as well. Um, but that being said, we, we brought up to believe that we are supposed to be pretty, you know, we're supposed to be in a certain way, we're supposed to uh, elicit certain feelings in people, um, you're supposed to be cute and funny and happy and smiley, you know. So the girls that even are pretty but are like kind of like moping all the time also would catch it, you know, why, why don't you smile, smile, because you look so pretty when you smile, you know, that kind of a thing. So you grow up with all those kinds of comments, it's programmed into us. And then the competitiveness is also programmed in there because, again, because of the male-dominated society that we grew up in, we are led to believe that you've got to compete. So you've got to look better than anyone else. That's the thinking that goes on, you know. You've got to dress better. You've got to do everything optimally. Um, otherwise, you're not good enough. And we get conditioned like that because we get reinforced. Those thoughts are reinforced all the time. Because when you're not doing that, you get a negative comment or no comment, Right. Or if you are doing it, you get reinforcement, positive comments and that kind of thing. You know, such a pretty girl. Your dress is so pretty. You know, uh, all those kinds of uh, little girls wearing like pants. Why you wear pants all the time? Why don't you wear a pretty dress? You know, uh, if a girl is playing out on, on the jungle gym or something, why are you doing all that? Girls don't do that. You know, you can't jump like that or do whatever, you know. So we discourage along the way. So we learn that that is what is of value. And often enough, if you, and you find this a lot of times with a lot of good-looking people as well, that at some point you want to be 
kind of um, appreciated for more than just that. And so there can be anger and resentment that can build up underneath that, especially if your what your other achievements were are kind of like uh, cut down to size a lot. So this is highlighted and other things are kept down or you like held back a bit. Um, and so, yeah, so there can be anger and resentment and things that come up with that as well. So that can also come up in relationships. So you'll often find that, um, I mean, this is just like kind of in general, obviously, um, that you find that like, good-looking people a lot of times can get a lot of slack from a lot of people around them. You find that people may put obstacles in the way, you know, let them fall a little bit, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, and that's coming again from the internal processes, that competi- competitiveness um, and the anger, the resentment, the feeling that, you know, this is unfair and that kind of a thing. And, of course, it's unfair judgments to the other person as well because you're judging the person on looks um, and you kind of knocking them for that. So, And that's just with looks. You get it with other things as well. So, um, yeah, so the power dynamic is affected quite significantly with those internal processes and people's perceptions of what they should be and what they are not. Thank you for that, Doctor. We now understand why the physical aspect is so great in uh, society and also against women. Um, I do believe we have a caller on the line. We have Louis Pillay. Very good afternoon, Louis. Good afternoon to you, good afternoon to the listeners, and good afternoon to the wonderful guest. I think, first of all, she spoke about power. If you look at power of females, in 1956, 20,000 females marched to the Union building. They fought for justice. But if you look at today, we are losing the power of our females. There's no one is taking the courage in moving forward. If you look at women, they get victimized. Victimized in a sense that when they go on maternity leave and when they come back, they lose their job. So who is actually fighting for the females? The females now, is, they are staying more at home. And if you look at some of the females that are victimized in pregnancy, when they go back to work, they are displaced or put, put off work. But we need a body to fight for females. When they go on, on, on any sort of sick leave, they must still get the job. But this is not happening in, in, in the work situation. So I'm saying we need the power back for our females. And if you look at it now, our unemployment rate jumped from 27.1 to 29. And in that sense, a lot of females now getting unemployed. So we need the power of our females to stay on board. Thank you. Well, thank you there for that call, Louis Pillay. Um, you know, just picking up from what uh, Louis Pillay had said, Doctor, he's talking about women losing power. And, you know, as we draw closer to the end of the program, just want to talk to you about um, how can women empower other women to, you know, prevent this woman on woman abuse? How can women come back into power? I think, again, It's important to know yourself, know your weaknesses, know your strengths, accept yourself for who you are, cherish what you've developed in yourself and what you've become, and know that you can always be what you strive towards because that gives you the foundation then to have compassion and care for another. If you have a satisfaction and feeling within yourself that that you feel good about yourself, then you'll be able to give to others. When we're looking at others, we need to look at them as individuals, their strengths, their weaknesses, and what we can do to assist them. So encouraging people to be who they are, uh, to follow their dreams, um, you know, helping individuals, supporting them in ways that they need support, and obviously deliberately not knocking people down, you know, deliberately not setting obstacles in their way and that kind of a thing. 
Well, definitely, that was quite an interesting uh, comment that you made right there. But that is our hour for today. Thank you to our guest, clinical psychologist, Dr. Sharona Rawit. Uh, the program was brought to you by executive producer Salma Patel, producer Rachel Vardy, and I'm Chanel Daniel. That's my bid for today. But I'll catch you tomorrow as we take a look at the week's top stories making headlines. Be sure to tune in to Newsbreak Talk on Lotus FM at 1 p.m. Have a blessed Saturday afternoon. Now we have news with Hasta Mkiza and thereafter you can expect Varshan for the Bollywood Countdown.